All right, welcome to the Financial Independence Garage, where we show you... <laughs> you already don't know <laughs> what the introduction is. I'm looking at the accountant, and he knows I'm going to screw it up. Having me grinning at you across the table yeah. probably doesn't help, does it? No, it doesn't help at all. Welcome to the Financial Independence Garage, where we give you the tools... <laughs> this is kind of how we always end up recording. This this is generally how we start episodes. We are the consummate professionals. If nothing else, I'm gonna have to pull it up. I'm gonna pull it up. I'm pulling it up. Stand by. I got my. I lost my Google Drive. Yeah, one job every episode. This is why we drink when we do this. It's yeah, much absolutely. more fun. That's very true. <laughs> we could laugh to laugh at each other. You think I? You think I know this by now? Mm. 20, you think so? Twenty episodes, right? Yeah, we got a lot of episodes till we got to be good. You have time, lots of time. <laughs> Welcome to the Financial Independence Garage, where we give you the tools to repair your finances and unfold the roadmap to financial independence. You nailed it. I I should have thrown in financial freedom. Yes, you should have thrown in financial freedom. Tonight's an exciting night. We've got another interview for our listeners. And uh, this evening, it is with Fia from freedom101.ca. Welcome to the FI Garage, Fia. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate you having me on. Thank you for being here. My pleasure. As you probably know, uh, it is a prerequisite to, to bring a beverage of your, of your choosing to the show. So tonight, I'm going to let you know, we actually chose Cannery Brewing, which is in the Okanagan. Nice. And the beer we're drinking is called The Muse and The Golden Promise. It's an extra pale ale. And uh, it says on the back here, uh, her, sense, her serene blend of Golden Promise malts, California ale, yeast, and Simcoe hops flow seamlessly together, weaving a path of strength and vitality. The Muse is the heart, the spark, that enchants your mind in such a way that you can't think of anything else but her. So, uh, yeah. Did you, uh, did you manage to grab anything yourself? Or if you oh, had? I absolutely did. When you extended the offer that alcohol was welcome, I couldn't, couldn't pass that up. But <laughs> <laughs> fortunately for me, you guys were gracious enough to say I didn't have to have beer, which I'm not a beer drinker, I'm afraid to say. Uh, but I am a wine drinker. Um, so I brought uh, a glass. Actually, I brought a bottle but currently participating in my first class <laughs> of origin wines, <laughs> nice. which is one of my favorite wines from where I grew up. And uh, I've got their bottle today. I normally drink their goo, which is wonderful, but today I've got a red and it's their Merlot Cab Franc um, called their farmhouse blend. And as their tasting label says, uh, screw it. Merlot is back. Actually, it never went out of style. It was just secretly hidden in blends, and it seemed like a bad word. But classics never really go out of style. Merlot is a beautiful grape, and when married with a little Cab Franc, it becomes magical. I agree. That sounds delicious. Yeah, I'm going to have to defer to the uh, accountant because I cannot drink red wine. My lips swell up. I get a weird feeling in my mouth. and Yeah, Ooh. so sounds really good. I didn't know you were, weren't a red wine drinker. I, well, you've been. I'm. I, I hesitate to tell you because I don't want you to slip it into my beer or something like that. Well, I mean, challenge <laughs> accepted. <laughs> now we chose. We chose uh, 
beverages from the Okanagan because uh, you and I, the money mechanic here, we have a little bit of common background. I lived in, in that area for a few years and I spent a lot of summers going up there. So I'm, I'm quite familiar with it. And I'm sure the accountants vacationed up there. It is a gorgeous part of British Columbia. It is very nice. It's beautiful. And there's uh, the wine country there. I, I, I was up there a few years ago and it has just exploded in the last 10 years. It's unbelievable the amount of wineries that are up there now. It is unbelievable. Every time I go back, which is pretty frequently, um, there's new wineries to try and have tastings at. And it's always just setting the bar that much higher in terms of the wine available up there. It's unbelievable. This actually, the one I'm drinking, Origin Wines, opened up about two years ago. And uh, it's just a beautiful winery set on just a breathtaking piece of property overlooking the Okanagan Lake. And their wines are just fantastic. Small batch wines, boutique winery, very family friendly and kid oriented. And we love to go. We go there every time we go back. It's phenomenal. Very nice. Very nice. So getting into the the meat of the content tonight, we're going to have a little discussion. I, I think it's super interesting that uh, you and your husband are are already fire, which is something we don't probably get a lot of Canadians will get to interview and talk about that. And, and you blog about it at Freedom 101. One of the articles that I read sort of the beginning was your five steps to financial independence. And you didn't define it as financial independence. You def- defined it as financial freedom. And I found your reason for that really interesting. Can you just expand on that a little bit and tell us you know, sort of what your mindset and your reasons were for choosing your own definition? Yeah, um, I really am glad that you, you brought up that particular point because I think it's something that people tend to, to gloss over when they first get into the FI movement. And one of the reasons it became kind of relevant to me is that when we started our journey towards financial freedom, um, those terms weren't really being thrown around. There wasn't a real, a real substantial movement yet. It wasn't trendy yet. And we didn't really have terms for it ourselves. When we you know, put our minds to what we were pursuing, for us, the word freedom came up time after time after time. And so when I went to put um, pen to paper, the thought process was, is it really FI that people are pursuing? Is it really financial independence that people are after? Or is it their freedom? Is it their choice? And I think there's that very nuanced, distinct difference between financial independence being the ability to um, work or not to work, but have sufficient uh, wealth, savings, or passive income to give you that choice. Whereas in my view, financial freedom is about having that sufficient wealth, passive income, to give you the means to live your ideal life. And that one word being your ideal life, I feel is like uh, a substantial difference between the two definitions. On that note, are you talking more about, I mean, I feel like a lot of people go way too far in the frugality end of things and take away things that might actually be meaningful in their lives in an attempt to cut down rather than you know, take the journey for what it is and get to a place where you're going to love every day. That's exactly how I feel about it. I think that as the movement has gained traction, uh, people are attracted to attracted to a lot of the tenants involved, which is great. But I think that when people are viewing it as financial independence, the independence becomes their goal. And that particular goal, I feel, is more um, focused on the numbers 
rather than focused on reaching whatever your ideal life might be, whether that takes you a little bit longer to get there, or maybe you choose to take a more balanced approach along the way so that when you do get there, it becomes a sustainable lifestyle and one where you find both happiness and contentment. Yeah, I want to follow up with that a little bit. After reading through those five steps, which which are great five articles, by the way, I highly recommend our listeners go and check those out. But you guys were really aggressively pursuing fire. Uh, it looked to me like you mentioned in there you had about an 80% savings rate. You, you kind of figured out your numbers and stuff. Would you have taken a slower path to it now and in retrospect, having fired, would you've maybe decided to, you know, find, find a job that you get some value out of and slow the path down a little bit rather than kind of racing towards that finish line. You, you mentioned that having that FI goal doesn't really help if you sort of get there and then you're not really sure what to do next. Yeah, absolutely. I think for us, we had a big aha moment early on in our journey and our journey was a very staged approach. Uh, as I said, there there wasn't this FI or FI movement to kind of rely on or relate to. So we were kind of stumbling our way through the whole process and figuring out what are we trying to accomplish here. But there was a distinct aha moment for us when we both downloaded, um, it was a countdown app, and we quickly input how many years we had left in our jobs and set the countdown so that we could see every day just how many years, hours, and seconds of working time we had left. And, (laughs) you know, we kind of, we kind of high-fived when we first got the app. And then, you know, a few days later, after we're checking the app and updating each other as to exactly how much time we had left, we looked at each other and said, maybe, maybe we're not doing it right. Maybe we're doing it very, very wrong, and maybe we need to take, you know, get get our heads up out of the sand and take a look at what's going on in our lives and how we can live the life we want now versus waiting for 15, 18 years, which is what we had left at that point in time. So I don't think we would have chosen to slow it down because we really wanted, we were really at a position in our lives where we wanted to start to live a better lifestyle and a more balanced lifestyle. And the jobs that we had weren't facilitating that very well. Uh, But what we definitely would have done and would change in hindsight is we would have taken the time during that process to have a much stronger plan in place of what we wanted our day-to-day life to look like after reaching financial freedom. And that was something we thought we had done, but we hadn't done it well. Yeah, you make a great point in those opening five steps there where it's identifying the values. You've got a great exercise in there about identifying the, your five top values. And it, it's really interesting, you know, the accountant and I have, have kind of got, we're on the path, but now we're hearing from people that have retired and, and maybe we're learning a, to focus a bit more on, you know, what's next and the psychology of it. And just because you retire early, it doesn't make you a happy person the next day unless you've built the things into your life that that give you meaning and value a hundred percent in fact for a lot of people and in my view a lot of people in the fire movement if you don't have a strong plan of what you're transitioning to that retirement can actually be a negative 
rather than as a positive that we all expect it to be. We expect to arrive. And then for us, in a lot of ways, we had a we had a framework of what we thought our lives were going to look like after the fact. But once we got there, it was like, oh, there's, you know, there's a lot of time. There's day-to-day life. And it wasn't it wasn't everything we thought it was going to be until we started to be very intentional about how we were using our time and, and what we wanted to do next. Yeah, I think that's one, if if you just get there and you assume, oh, the day I hit phi, I'm going to be happy. I mean, you're not really solving any of your problems simply by not showing up to work that day. <laughs> well, it solves one problem. It solves one problem. You're right. Yes, it does definitely solve one problem, but uh, definitely not all of them. Totally. And I think for us, like as and for anybody out there who's not necessarily loving every minute of their job, there's a tendency to think, okay, once this piece of my life is removed, I'm going to feel really good about things. But with that piece of your life, there's also a lot of there's a lot of positives that aren't always quite as obvious. There's that sense of productivity, the sense of achievement, the social networking. There's a lot of things that come out of work that aren't necessarily immediately replaced in retirement. And so there's that sense of loss that goes with the job as well. Yeah, I think that's one of the reasons I'm using like a scale back approach to try and give myself some more time, which gives me a bit of runway to figure out the things that I want to do. Uh, I, I have a luxury to do that because my I work a shift schedule. So, But a lot of people that just work sort of a, let's just call it a nine to five, maybe don't have that time. So maybe a mini retirement's a good idea to just kind of, you know, step back for a year and and see what you like, what you really want your life to look like. I think it's a great suggestion. I think for people who are contemplating pulling the trigger on retiring completely after reaching financial independence or financial freedom, taking a sabbatical and seeing what that life looks like and what your day-to-day looks like is a great way to try it on and not have done something, you know, potentially irreversible in terms of leaving your job completely. Yeah, exactly. Now, just moving back into those articles you wrote there, the number that I found in there was that your your aim was to live off seventy five k a year uh, in Canadian dollars. I won't do the inflation inflation uh, excuse me inflation adjustments on that. Is that a reasonable target? You also mentioned in that number that you were going to save twenty five thousand out of that as a buffer fund for future uh, projects or expenses. Do you think those numbers are, are accurate? Did would you have chosen less or more or is it working out the way you planned in, in that sense from a more financial point of view? I think from a financial point of view, we we did end up overshooting a little bit in terms of what we actually need on a day-to-day basis. Uh, we're pretty chill people. We live a pretty relaxed I don't know. I guess you could use the word boring <laughs> lifestyle that we you know, we're we're just uh, you know, we like we like the small things in life. And so we definitely overshot, I think, in where we needed to actually end up. But I'm really glad we did because that's afforded us a lot of flexibility in terms of evaluating where we want to go moving forward. And the one thing we always come back to, we tend to be and have always been pretty risk adverse people. We like to mitigate the risk as much as we possibly can, realistically, in all areas of our life, not just money. For us, overshooting was was about being comfortable with leaving the leaving the jobs and knowing that we were going to be fine and that even if we you know 
decided we wanted some bigger indulgences or some more travel or wants changed down the road that we would have the funds available to cover that off. So we've ended up having a higher savings rate than we initially planned that we would. Um, but we're pretty satisfied that, that that's there as an option for the future. Yeah. I mean, that uh, I've kind of tried to build that into mine as well. Just that, you know, I don't know what my spending habits are going to be like in 20 years. And I'd love to give myself the flexibility to, you know, maybe inflate your lifestyle a little bit as you get older. I just, I think it's a good, good thing to have is a little bit of room. I completely agree. And one of the things that I talk about in that post in particular is that as people, as human beings, we actually are horrendous at forecasting what our future selves will want. I think it's easy to see that when you look back even 10 years, even five years in terms of what did I want then and where am I at now in life? And partly that's life experience and maturity, but our priorities and our desires change as we age and and gain those life experiences. And uh, we wanted to make sure that that flexibility was built in for us. And I think that that for people who are retiring so young, who aren't just trying to forecast, you know, 10 or 20 years of retirement, you're forecasting multiple decades of retired lifestyle. You want to have that flexibility. You know, at some point you might decide you want to pursue it, an alternative career, or you might decide you want bigger indulgences. So I think that that's a great approach for anyone who's looking to retire at 30s, 40s. You did talk a little bit about, you gave some examples of 4% withdrawal rate in there. I gathered from reading as well that you have some other forms of passive income. It looks like you had a basement suite. Uh, you mentioned that in that article too. And uh, just just a question now that you're you're fired, do you have additional income streams? Uh, are you you're still got your rental suite? Are you doing other real estate investments? Uh, are there any particular side hustles that are bringing you in income? You you did mention that you finished tables, which is an awesome idea. I love that. If I could get my wife to do a bit more art, we'd have a nice little side hustle ourselves. But uh, yeah, is there anything that you're doing now that you have some extra time that you're working towards other income streams? Definitely. It's funny because we're kind of taking a little bit of a sabbatical from side hustles at the current moment, but we have worked to build up those income streams in large part because our plan entailed having our retirement accounts, or or especially our uh, tax-deferred retirement accounts, we wanted those to be completely exempt from our retirement plan. Um, We wanted to keep those accounts available for us down the road in life, you know, if we have health concerns that arise, if we have, you know, any type of care for ourselves, our kids, our parents, that where we need additional um, influx of income, we wanted to have that as a complete and utter safety net that would just be able to compound without us withdrawing from it over the next, realistically, we expect 20 to 25 years. So we really focused hard on building passive income streams um, and side hustles that would allow us to maintain our desired lifestyle income without drawing from those specific um, tax deferred accounts. So what we did is we, when we bought our house, one of our biggest priorities was having a home that accommodated our family, but included a basement suite Um, where we live in the lower mainland. There's a pretty substantial rental market. And so that was something that we knew if we could pay down our mortgage and be living mortgage free, we could actually turn our house into a true 
income-producing asset. So that forms a piece of it. Um, fortunately for us, through our jobs, we were eligible for um, small pensions uh, subject to penalty, but we were able to secure a small pension. So that's another income stream. And then savings outside our tax-deferred accounts um, were another passive income stream. And then a side hustle that we we worked on for a few number of years, and I still dabble in, is uh, refinishing furniture. And we would just pick up stuff off Craigslist and free, cheap stuff that people are going to essentially send to the garbage. And I just work at refinishing them and reselling them on Craigslist. So that was that's fun for me. I, I like to DIY and I like to do that type of stuff. So I kind of do that um, whenever whenever I feel so inclined. You're speaking uh, sweet, delicious words. The accountant here, he perked up when he when he hears real estate passive income streams. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is my favorite passive income stream. <laughs> yes, mine as well, and definitely Mike's favorite. We um, we have dabbled uh, a fair bit in real estate over the last decade, and we actually withdrew the majority of our uh, real estate investments just prior to retiring from our jobs. Partly, we had some good opportunities in terms of the market here in Vancouver that we wanted to capitalize on and secure some of those investments um, and put them into some more stable um, stable options in our portfolio. But we have every intention uh, and we're actively looking all the time getting back into that market, whether it's here in the Lower Mainland or perhaps up in the Okanagan where we haven't completely decided yet. But I think that that's, we both have a passion for that and we both enjoy it. And that's something, that's a direction that we both know we're, we're definitely going to delve back into. And that's the one thing with the real estate is it's passive with an asterisk because it's not always <laughs> passive if you're managing it yourself. Completely. There's a decent amount of work that goes into it. And, you know, but what Mike and I often say is when you run the numbers on what you produce in terms of um, potentially equity built in the home, increasing uh, increasing equity through through growth and and potentially cash flow. Ideally, you're going to have a rental property that cash flows. When you factor all that into the hours that are invested in terms of uh, tenant selection and collecting rent checks and dealing with issues that come up and repairs and that type of thing, it's by far the best paying job either of us have ever had. Oh, definitely. Definitely the best paying job I've ever had. I got to get on this program. Why, why aren't you people helping me? <laughs> why am I just trying to save money? <laughs> I just want to move on to some of your newer articles that you wrote that uh, I thought were fantastic. It was such good insight for somebody that's already fired. And you, you call it the paradox of fire. It's a perfect way to describe it. Um, how did you... Was it, it must have taken some introspective thought to come up to that point where you're like, hey... Here we are, but it's kind of like I miss all the things that used to make my life real, the the friendships, the routines, the the job challenges. Such an interesting group of articles. Fill us in on those. Yeah, thank you. I, I'm glad you enjoyed them. They were a lot of fun to write because they're articles that are speaking to our situation now versus a lot of my articles are talking about things that we experienced in the past. So they were they were really fun to write about. And it kind of summarizes the last 18 months of our lives in terms of experiencing this transition into what retirement is really like. And 
it was nice to write them and be able to kind of speak openly about what that's been like, because I think people generally expect us to talk about how it's all roses. It's amazing, you know, living the dream. And although I feel like that is true to a degree, there are definitely some pieces of our life that have dramatically changed and pieces of our life that were part of our work life that we're missing and that we're struggling to adjust to and, and not just in the past, but continuing to adjust to and trying to work out. Uh, so it's, it's one of those transitions where, especially for people in the fire movement or seeking financial freedom, people within that realm um, tend to be pretty self-motivated, self-disciplined, you know, aggressive at getting what they want, going after their goals, making it happen. You know, that's there's some really common personality traits you see arising within the community. Uh, and all of those traits work incredibly well to get you to fire, to financial freedom. And then when you get there and all of a sudden you're like, oh, I'm here. Now, where do I invest all this, all this energy, right? Like all this energy I was putting into cutting every dollar and finding ways to save. And, you know, Mike and I would look at each other and we'd be, I'd be talking about how, oh, I didn't buy that coffee at the grocery store the other day because it was $16.99. So I got the $12.99 one instead. And he looks at me and he's like, you know that we're retired now. You you can buy the sixteen ninety nine coffee, and it's just like, oh yeah, but <laughs> I'm still trying to save, and I'm still trying. Those roots are those roots. That mindset, that that pursuit of that very distinct goal, is a challenging thing to replace. It's such a valuable perspective, though, because all of us on the path, you know. It's going to be different for everybody, like you mentioned in one of those articles, but it, it's so important. And thank you for having that insight because not there's not enough of that out there. The, there's so much focus on, here we go. And then, of course, everyone's like, oh, uh, okay, so now you're retired, you're fire, but you started a blog, you're still working, blah, blah. But I think part of that is, in, is explained in what you just said about we are all, to get there, you have to be a hardworking overachiever. So you're going to have projects and things to do, and eventually they may make you more money. So what? We don't subscribe to traditional retirement. And that's exactly it. You, I think everyone who, I mean, everyone is a broad statement, but a good percentage of the people pursuing that lifestyle change are going to stay busy after they pull the trigger on that retirement. It's just in you know, the type of people who are pursuing this path in the first place, I think it's in their nature to be productive, to want that sense of achievement, uh, and to have to be people who are goal setters, right? So I think the next step after retirement naturally is to find your next goal. And that might be something that produces income, and it might not be something that produces income. You get to have the choice. That's the beauty. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That's the beauty. Now, Switching gears now, because this is the FI Garage, so we do need to get some sort of car discussion in here. <laughs> Absolutely. We know what you guys have. <laughs> yeah, I, I particularly loved the uh, Tesla article you wrote. And I believe there's a quote in there that went, now I'm not saying because you can afford something, you should buy it. But if it's something that aligns with your values, provides or facilitates desired experiences, and you can afford it, well, it's something worth considering. And I think so many times people 
think, well, this might not necessarily be the best financial decision, despite the fact it's something that they've always wanted or something they really, you know, would like to have. And so they don't go after that thing. Can you talk a little bit about your decision to buy the Tesla? Absolutely. The The decision to buy the Tesla was a long one, <laughs> a very, very <laughs> long one. And, uh, that's understandable. Michael, Michael laugh, and I partly, you know, he was a good driving force bef- behind us returning to the Tesla discussion time after time after time, and uh, <laughs> ultimately, after he, it might have been his master plan in hindsight to just slowly whittle away at me on this Tesla suggestion, but. Over, I would say, probably four or five years of bringing up Tesla, taking me to Tesla dealerships to test drive the Teslas, <laughs> talking about the environmental sustainability of the Tesla, all the road trips we could take with the Tesla. He had definitely won me over in terms of convincing me that this was something that aligned with our values in terms of you know, moving towards something, albeit not a perfect option, but a more sustainable option and something also that we would, you know, enjoy as a family. We do do a lot of driving. We, neither of our families are local. So we're always traveling to see them. And this was something that we could, you know, (laughs) I guess, arguably pay a major upfront cost for, and then supercharge for free after that. Does it make it all the way from the lower mainland to the Okanagan on a charge? You know, our model is technically supposed to. Mike and I have never been brave enough to do it. It's we oh, okay. with two kids in the car. Uh, we always choose to stop and supercharge in merit, but it actually works out well because we can't do that whole trip up to the Okanagan in one go uh, with a 10 year old and a two year old in the car. It's just not their bladders will not cooperate with that that prospect nor will their stomachs so we always have to stop for a break anyway so that's kind of the perfect place for us to pull over let the car charge go grab a bite to eat get back in and go and it also leaves us with uh, some energy in the tank when we get up there so our first concern doesn't have to be getting to somewhere where we need to charge right on well i'm looking forward to keeping track with that i think it's i mean i love the evs and it's going to be interesting to see how their cost over their lifetime goes over the next 10 or 15 years so i love it that when people that i've got other friends that have bought them and intend to keep them forever so it's gonna be great to see how they you know the new tech that comes out but how the old tech fares over time absolutely i can't wait to see too how like the ranges increase and the technology keeps improving like i mean it's going in the right direction yeah and had i known that their tesla was there at the fi meetup a few weeks ago i would have begged mike to let me take it for a drive yeah, that's fair. <laughs> he would have been happy to. He's he's a Tesla champion. He you can get him talking about Tesla and he'll go on forever. So he loves he loves to talk Tesla with anyone who's willing to do so. And he loves to show people and let them let them give it take it for a spin and test it out and see if it's see if it's their thing. But yeah, we're so far, I mean, we've owned the vehicle for just about two years. We're very, very happy with it. Uh, no complaints. But having said that, it is pre- relatively new technology. And our intention is to keep it for 15 to 20 years. So we'll happily keep you updated on how it performs. That's awesome. Moving on to some of the things that you're doing uh, now that you are have all this time on your hand. I liked your routine, anti-routine article there. 
And I, I totally resonated with that. I commented on that because I work out of town and then come home and find myself with chunks of time. Uh, I can't believe they wouldn't let you into the bridge club. That's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, that just seems ageist. <laughs> yeah, we we actually joined lawn bowling last summer. So how's that for <laughs> prepping for retirement? I love the lawn bowling. I think that's fantastic. I actually really enjoy lawn bowling. I actually, I guess it's called bocce is what I've always played, but similar, right? Similar concept to lawn bowling. Wow, that's just discriminatory. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure I brought the average age of the lawn bowling club down by like 30 years. <laughs> I think we would have brought the average age down, but I think we would have brought something to the table. And we were really interested in learning how to play bridge. My husband's Mike's parents uh, play bridge, and it's quite the game. Uh, it's got a lot of technicalities to it, and we're we're definitely game people. So we were disappointed that they wouldn't let us into the bridge club. But we might just learn how to play and form our own early retirement bridge club. Nice. I like it. Sign us up. Make sure it's online so we can play too. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. One of the other things I noticed that you were doing was one of my favorites, which was you are rewatching The Office with your oldest son. Now, what is your favorite Office episode? Oh, that's such a tough question. There's so many good ones. Ah. <laughs> uh, while you're thinking about that, I'll throw it even further down. And this is this, I'm throwing this out to you, accountant and Afia. If any character on the office was trying to shoot for fire or fi, who do you think it was? I mean, wasn't Dwight already running a beet farm? So he was kind of fi. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the episodes where Andy there went and lived on that sailboat and took off for disappeared for six months or whatever right? right so i think andrew was totally trying to be to be uh, financially free financial freedom fire yeah i i agree andy was definitely trying out something there uh dwight i do feel like though he he has some pretty strong qualities for being able to get on the fi path and master that it would be an interesting path but i think he would have that no problem well, it was a great season when he bought the building and became the landlord. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was a fantastic season. And we actually haven't gotten to that season with, with our, our oldest son just yet. I think we just, just finished season four. Um, and we're just getting to the part where Holly, Toby's leaving and Holly's coming into the picture. So lots of good episodes left for him to enjoy. He doesn't get all the jokes yet, uh, but he gets about 60% of it. So there's a lot of like, what does that mean? And, you know, sometimes. (laughs) 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 Yeah, exactly. So sometimes we just resort to the, uh, oh, that's an adult joke. Um, but, uh, but he's really enjoying it. And I, I think right now I'd probably have to say, I, I mean, my favorite all time episode is definitely the episode where Michael leaves. That's just such a classic episode. And so, um, so great in terms of his personality being so flamboyant throughout the years. And then he takes this very quiet approach to leaving. But, uh, I did just watch the episode the other day where Jim impersonates Dwight, uh, in the opening scenes. Oh. <laughs> that was pretty awesome. Jim pranks are just my favorite. The pranks are the best. Oh, they're the I actually real life put a coworker stapler in jello in his desk one time. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And I totally agree they are the best one of the best parts about the episodes. And I also 
completely newspapered every single item on a coworker's desk one time and then uh, taped over <laughs> the bottom of their mouth so they couldn't figure out why their mouse wasn't working. <laughs> All inspired by Jim. I love it. I love <laughs> it. You got to enjoy the little things. I am going to watch The Office after this. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll sort of wind this down a little bit here. I think we could probably end up chatting for quite a long time. I just don't know how long people want to listen to us. <laughs> just a comment. Yeah, your website's fantastic. It's freedom101.ca for all the listeners to go check out. And I absolutely love the phrase that you, you use on the, on the title page there. The most valuable currency is time. Choose how you spend yours. Your, your writing is great, and I think you epitomize it with that, that sentence there. So in sort of closing here, I want to ask you one sort of last question. Since you have experienced and you are fire, what do you think the most overrated thing about being fire is, in your, in your opinion? I think the most overrated part of fire is the concept that you're going to you're going to essentially go live on a beach. I think that's I think that's a lot of people's initial thought that that's that's retirement, that that's what retirement is because that's been the social norm of what retirement is and I think that that's very very overrated in the community and I think if there's anything I would like people to turn their minds to more it's is what is that picture going to look like for them, for their family, for their individual circumstance when they actually make that transition? Because first off, that vision is only satisfying for a very short period of time. And I think that ultimately, when we're talking about freedom and financial freedom, the goal we're all after at the heart of it is finding a place in life where we feel contentment. And that vision of retirement is definitely not where you're going to find contentment. So finding that, finding what gives you your contentment, what brings that into your life, what gives you your enough, I think that's that's probably one of the most integral parts of making and forging your plan for FIRE or financial freedom. Well said. Where can people find you online apart from your website? So I am on my website at www.freedom101.ca. And then from there, you can find my Twitter and my Facebook uh, accounts. That's probably the easiest place to find my different handles. Although I will admit I am horrendous at Facebook. Um, so <laughs> my Facebook page is extremely, <laughs> hey, like me. Yeah, extremely limited. I was also horrendous and probably still am at Twitter, but I'm learning and I'm getting better at that. So that's probably the, the place where I'm most active in terms of social media and, uh, and day-to-day interaction. Well, I've been using the pins you put at the end of your articles to give examples to the accountant of what he needs to do for the FI garage. So thank you for being that uh, inspiration for him. Uh-oh. Yeah, I'm still not good at that. <laughs> I, I'm ecstatic that I could be an inspiration to anyone because I am such a beginner uh, and a new, but the whole Pinterest, I still don't really understand the whole Pinterest thing. I've, I've actually never been on Pinterest until <laughs> someone pointed out to me that I should probably get on Pinterest because of the blog. And I was like, Oh, okay. What's this Pinterest thing? Everyone keeps talking about. Yeah. You give me the tax act and I'm fine. You give me Pinterest and I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> I am right there with you. Right. This has been fantastic. Thank you so much, Fia. Uh, great chatting with you. Uh, we'll probably have you on the show again. There's still lots more to deep dive into here. So yeah. Congratulations. Next time we might have to get Mike on to talk about the Tesla yeah. as well. Get yeah. both of you on here. Yeah. If you want a full episode about the Tesla alone, then that that's absolutely the way you want to go. 
He will love to talk about the Tesla. No, I'm just kidding. He would love to come on. He was sad he couldn't be here tonight to chat with you guys. Um, but we'd, we'd love to come back anytime you guys are willing to have us. And thank you so much for uh, having me on tonight. It was really fun and uh, really enjoy listening to you guys. You guys have brought a really great perspective and uh, personalities to the Canadian FI community. Thanks. Really appreciate that. And uh, we forgot to say cheers earlier. How was your oh, yeah. wine? Oh, cheers. Yes, cheers. I'm... I'm about to pour my second glass. Nice. Well, we finished our our beer here, so we may have a second one and, and do some post-show notes. That seems reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> okay, thanks again, and thanks a lot for listening. And we'll catch you on the next episode.